0: Hello, my name is Steven Smith, the owner of 3 Pi Squared, and this is the ABA Business Leaders Podcast. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you a little bit about our membership program. 3 Pi Squared has helped over 700 ABA practices start up and expand. Our membership has over 45 hours of content from experts in the fields of law, accounting, Diversity and inclusion, childhood development, mindfulness, business development, HIPAA compliance, marketing and branding, billing, and more. We also have discounts on things like our 3 pi squared handbooks, professional liability insurance, background checks, HIPAA compliant email, contacts, calendars and cloud storage. The membership also includes 33 CEUs, live Ask Us Anything events where you can come on and ask your questions as you're going through the program. And in our app, you can also add anonymous questions and get your answers. To learn more about the membership, please go to our website, www.3piesquared.com and click on ABA Business Leaders. And now, let's get to the episode. Okay, so the hiring process. Um, Thank you all for watching and listening. Um, So, again, I'm just going to repeat this. We are not attorneys. We cannot provide legal advice. You should not take my advice. Um, and, And so we'll walk you through... You know how we did it, uh, the processes that we had in place, the mistakes that we learned over the years, and you know the feedback that I've gotten from other ABA providers on this. But again, I, I I can't recommend it enough. You need an attorney. You need an attorney. Please get an attorney. So again, Legal Shield is great, but finding a local attorney that will litigate with you. So I do not recommend like. Legal Zoom or, or attorneys in other states that cannot uh, litigate for you in your state. So you need to find someone that is in your state that can go to court if if, if needed.
1: So it might this might get confusing. So yeah. you're you're recommending a legal shield for questions and stuff, but yeah. then also get to know someone in your so area an and get them on a retainer yes. in case you need someone. And
0: legal shield person. can do that, right? So you can get a membership with legal shield. Uh, and then find a local attorney through them. So that may be a great place to start. They're rather inexpensive, and, and that can be a, a great uh, way to get a local attorney without having to put up a huge retainer.
1: And um, and the type of re- attorney we're talking about here is...
0: I mean, typically you, you're going to want, at minimum, an employment attorney, right? But you may, like... And that's we, how you bring yeah. it up,
1: because there's a lot yeah. of employment laws, and they differ across states. Got, and...
0: Even county and mm-hmm. cities, right? So... Um, so it's, it's really important to have someone. And then, uh, you know, you, you, there, we get into other attorneys. There's so many different attorneys, right? So uh, we're not going to get into those. But for the this presentation, for the purpose of this, employment attorney. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So before we get into anything um, employment related, we're we're just going to go through, well, I, I already discussed this. So. I'll am not. I. I'm, I'll say it again, <laughs> get an attorney. <laughs> uh, but then we get into employee versus contractor, and we get many questions on this, right? The, uh, I see lots of debate, heated debate on the internet. And even, you know, it wasn't long ago, we were interviewing people um, for our company. And, you know, we would interview techs. Uh, and you know they want like a really high rate, and we'd be like, what in the world? Like that's way too high. And then it, we would come to find out that they were assuming they were going to be a contractor. So you know, well, I need this high rate because you're not going to pay me for drive time. You're not going to pay me for training, non billable hours, right? You're only going to pay me for billables. So obviously, I need a high rate. Um, and then you know we would go back and forth and you know, they would realize that, oh, they were getting hired as an employee and they would get paid for those things that they absolutely need to get paid for. So again, don't take my word for it, right? Like, you know, the the board has come out on this, especially especially when we're talking RBTs, they've come out and said, can't really be a a contractor because you need supervision. Um, The feedback I've gotten from some on that is, Okay, fine. Uh, we just won't hire RBTs, and we'll only have behavior techs, and and then we can still use them as contractors. That's not really the uh, the point of it. The point is that this employee is going. This employee is supervised, um, and so they just don't pass the contractor test. You can go to the Department of Labor. They spell this out quite um, um, uh, clearly, clearly, yes, uh, on this. So, um, you know, it's really important that you understand absolutely RBT's cannot be contractors. If you have RBT's as contractors, change them, Uh, change it over um, and do it as quickly as possible. Uh, It really it only takes one disgruntled contractor. To come back and say, hold on, I'm an employee. Uh, you let me go. I want, over, I want my unemployment. Uh, and then they report you to the state. Uh, the state is going to um, see that you weren't paying payroll. Um, and then uh, you'll have to pay back taxes, uh, fees. And then I can guarantee that the Fed is going to find out as well. And then you're going to have to pay back taxes and fees for that. And it's not just that one employee. It is every employee. Uh, and I've, I've witnessed this. I've seen it happen with other uh, companies. So, you know, uh, the feedback, again, something else that I get quite often. Well, uh, the company I left, we were all contractors. So why wouldn't I make my team contractors too? And it's just, you know.
1: no better, do better. <laughs>
0: yes. And again, this is why. You don't take advice from someone that is not an attorney, right? And again, don't take my word for it. Talk to your attorney, uh, go to the Department of Labor. You'll see it very clearly. The other thing, we've talked to many attorneys, probably six, seven attorneys across multiple states. Um, They also believe that a BCBA cannot be a contractor for a um, ABA uh, company. Uh, And and the reason why, and I'm reading this now off my notes, but services provided, which are key activities of the business, the extent to which the service performed by the worker is seen as a key aspect of the regular business of the company. So that one right off the top, I, I don't know of any other way to define what a BCBA does. A key activity in an ABA company, right? Oh,
1: well, right. I mean, you can't you can't provide services without a BCBA, right? Um, and so I mean, and now if you look at like um, you know, looking at multidisciplinary, like if it is if you have speech and PT and OT and you know whatever, right? If you have all of those and and the BCBA is still a key um, you know, component of the of the business, then that would still lean to contractor i mean not to employee in my opinion but if you're predominantly speech and that's like what you mo- mainly um provide and then you were to bring on a bcba to like you know help out with whatever needs are there that a bcba can help you out with but it's not their sole their primary um reason right um then then you know that would match more to the definition of the contractor. But so let's say that right now someone's listening to this and they're like, oh, man, I'd, I missed that. I, I, Gosh, like that sounds kind of scary. I have my techs as contractors yep. and I need to change it. Like like, who would you like, what should they do? Like I'm a, they would reach out to an attorney, yep. but also like their accountant Because like yes. that's going to cause a potential thing with taxes. Correct. And,
0: yeah and so talk to your accountant get advice from them on okay how far back do we go do we just immediately switch and hope no one finds out or like again not giving you advice um so but reaching out to your accountant i i can almost guarantee a very knowledgeable accountant has seen this so um they're probably not going to be panicking right and they should give you some really good advice uh, and this is, again, another really good question. If you don't have an accountant asking that question, have you ever been in a situation where you had to help someone switch their staff over from a contractor to an employee? So that's a great question to ask them, right? Because you want someone that has that knowledge. Um, and and th- that's a really important piece of it. How do you do it? How do you get everyone on board? I mean, I've I've advised some companies on this with the support of an accountant. And the biggest thing is, okay, well, and I'm just throwing numbers out here, right? This is not anyone's numbers. I don't know anyone's payroll numbers. But let's say I'm paying these people $35 an hour tax, and now I'm going to switch them all over to employees. I can't give them $35 an hour anymore. And, and so that is going to be the big issue, right? It's like, are you going to lose staff because of this? So having a candid conversation with these people um, and, and, you know, you're going to have to work through that piece of it and know that some of these people may not stay. Um, so that's just something to be aware of as you're going through this. Now, if you, if you agree with me that we should have employees and not contractors, this would be uh, for employees and, uh, or sorry, this would be for RBTs and BCBAs, right? Then we have to talk about required training. And then one, one thing before we get over into this, I'm just remembering now, there is one scenario, because we did it, um, where you would have a BCBA on your team as a contractor. So, this would be, in our case, you BCBA a BCABA.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so I'm a BCABA, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, like, oh, I need to be supervised. But um, I am not <laughs> going to receive supervision from one of my staff members, from someone who works for me, because of all the ethical reasons around that. So, we did contract out with a BCBA who was not like part of our company. In fact, she had provided uh, supervision for me in the past. And so I already had a good working relationship with her. So she, um, we did contract her services to supervise my work as a BCABA. So,
0: so in that scenario, you would absolutely want a contractor agreement in place. It would be limited in scope. And so when you are working with a contractor, you do need a an agreement, right? You need a contract, and so it would go clearly define what they're here for, what they're not here for, how long is this for? Um, because a lot of these BCBA contractors, it's like there isn't even a contract in place. It's just this indefinite um, uh, a place where you're going to work with as many clients as you possibly can take on. There's no there's no limit in scope, right? And so. When you are bringing on a contractor, you need a contractor agreement and needs to be specific to the job that you're, that they're taking, right? So that's the other piece of it. Okay, so required training, okay? So there are going to be, su- like, depending on your state, depending on your funders, you're going to have certain required trainings. So um, it's really important to understand what are required trainings and what aren't. And so basically the best way I can describe this is that if your contract with your funders states that you have to train your staff on something, it is required.
1: Or states that they have a specific certificate in some area. Yes.
0: So examples of this, most funders require all of your staff are CPR and first aid trained, right? So this is a required training. This means that if someone comes without CPR and first aid, they cannot work unless they are CPR and first aid trained. So that means that you have to train them. So you sh- you should be paying for the training and the time it takes to do to the training. So CPR and first aid, I don't know, was it 50 bucks maybe? So it depends you depends
1: on depends on how you do right. it, yeah.
0: And it depends on on like Tricare is a very specific. specific in, yeah, if you bring someone right. into
1: your company versus you send them to an online Wherever. course or right. uh, you send them to like somebody somewhere to yeah. get it done, right? I think
0: Tricare is a very specific CPR first aid yeah, training I, that yeah, they they, do. they want. I, they do.
1: From from all the ones that I know. But I mean, it's it's so being careful how I word this because like that's why we're here, right? Mm-hmm. Because we made mistakes and and we learned as we went and and we we're like, man, we wish we would have had someone to like tell us these things from the beginning, right? So it's like I'm not here to like place blame or anything or shame. So I don't want to come across as that. But it's like you don't know what you don't know till you don't you don't know what you don't know till you know you don't know. I don't, did that make any sense? But so like so many people. Will, will come to us, whether they have a question about it or where they just kind of mention it in passing, and we're like, well, hold on, tell me more about that. But, like, that they don't pay their employees for training.
0: Correct.
1: Or they don't pay for their training, right? Like, right. sometimes they'll just do, oh, well, well, um I pay them, I reimburse them for their training. Well, did you pay them for their time, you know, that they spent in their training? Or, um... You know, there have been quite a few that say um, they have to pay for their own training, but I'll, I'll we'll provide the time for it, and we'll pay for your time as part of your job. But you have to provide your training, or even test. Like I think a big one is TB test. You know, a lot of them will will um, you have to have like TB test, like show you know like um, a little prick or whatever. Yep. Um, and there there are some employees. In my past, not necessarily – I don't think any of our customers that I've heard of, but, like, um, like all of that stuff, the CPR first aid, the PIN, the TB test, the, all of that, they would hire you, and then they would send you out to do all of that on your own, and then they'd say, you have to do all that on your own, and then your start date is, you know – August 1st. So get all this done before your start date and you can start on August 1st. But the problem is like they've already been hired. Like you're hired once you hire somebody. Now you can make these things mandatory to even apply for the position, but then you have to do that across the board. Right. Right. If you already want these people to have these things and you're not even consider a candidate if they don't have CPR first aid training already. Right. right? But like once you've like hired them, I'm I'm assuming even verbally that would be a, a good question for an attorney. But like, It's important to give like an offer letter and all of that and get it in writing. But I would assume once you even verbally hire somebody, then you're responsible for paying for their training and paying for their their training time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I don't know the answer to that, to be honest, but I will say that CPR first aid is not it's not like you do it once and you never have to do it again.
1: Right, so like a lot of these, you know, well, not a lot, but there are a handful of these that are like yearly.
0: And then it was same with RBT training. If if your funders require that your staff are RBT trained to provide services, then mm-hmm. you are need you need to pay for the RBT training, the time it takes to do the RBT training, and this would also include the competency checks. Now, some people will say, okay, fine. What I'm going to do is I'm going to require that anyone that any, especially on the tech side. If, if um, when, when I hire them, they have to come to me, RBT, um, at least the 40 hours has to be done before we'll hire them. Um, and that's fine. I, I, I will tell you that in this market, especially it's so hard to find RBTs right now. Um, if you go that route, you may not have that employee, right? So they may do the 40 hours on their own and then find someone else. Or they may have like 15 interviews and like many people are, especially now, like, yeah, of course, we'll train you and we'll provide that free. So like this can also be a recruiting tool. So I would highly recommend that you're doing this anyway. Right. So other things that some funders require is like fire and evacuation training. So that's typically a requirement. HIPAA training. So that's typically required. Uh, Mandated reporter. Again, we are mandatory reporters, so training on on that is typically required. Infectious disease control is also something that is typically required, and then there are some you know good trainings to do like safety care or you know crisis intervention. While it may not be required, I do highly recommend it.
1: Right, and and this is a great time too for your policies and procedures and how you know just the inner workings of the company, things that they need to know how to fill out a timesheet, how to like any, you know, any in like within your company policies or procedures that they need training on. Um, I, I highly recommend either whether you have like pre-recorded videos, interactive videos or quizzes or things like that for them to watch. Um, or you do like an in-person training or you're going over the I highly recommend you not just like throw that yeah. employee handbook at them and tell them to read it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and and yeah. we'll
0: get into that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we will yeah. more. But yeah, yeah. so
1: like, so, so just something part of training, like thinking about how, um, what, what are the important parts of your um, inner workings of your company and policies, policies and procedures that they need to know from day one, right? To really set that tone and that expectation.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. And so then the next thing we're going to talk about is hourly versus salary. So again, uh, it, it's really important to understand how this works. Um, And just because you decide that you're going to make your staff salaried does not mean that they don't qualify for overtime. So, again, please check the Department of Labor fact sheet. Um, And then um, because there is there is no issue with having non-exempt salaried employees. Uh, as long as they're tracking overtime, right? So like they're they're tracking their hours just like an hourly employee would, and then you would pay them overtime just like an hourly employee would be paid. Um, and and then if they don't have any overtime, then they would just get their salary. Um, and so that that's totally fine. You can do that. Again, talk to your attorney. Um, but there should be no issue there. And It's just depending on are they an exempt salary employee versus a non-exempt salary employee. Typically, the way that this works is that highly qualified, highly educated um, staff members well uh, would be a an exempt, so they they would not get overtime. So sometimes you can do this for a BCBA, right? Uh, And sometimes you can do it for an RBT, depending on what you require. So if you're requiring a a master's degree or a, even a four-year degree plus the RBT training, right? Um, this could, this may qualify as an exempt position. Again, do you want this as an exempt position or not? That's that's a decision that you're going to have to make. But again, talking to your attorney, talking to your accountant, uh, it's a good idea when you're deciding. Okay, who's going to be salaried? Who's going to be hourly? You can totally have a salary RBT and a part-time hourly RBT as long as you have detailed job descriptions on both of those. Uh, I just saw the lights flicker, so yeah, that's a sign. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we'll see.
1: Yeah. So real quick, Alicia, yeah. I um I responded to your um to your text, but to your question. But if anyone else has um uh, the same concern. The, uh where uh if they didn't catch if they weren't able to catch this for the getting especially for getting some people over from the vimeo issue um it it, we are recording this and it is available through yeah so
0: once it stops here like Mm -hmm. once we stop the video it will it will come up in facebook
1: it will be and then it will also air as a podcast next friday
0: yeah well we're not sure on the date yet it depends because we've got a line up
1: most most likely next Friday, but yeah, but you'll be able to watch it on Facebook.
0: All right. And then the next thing we're going to talk about is drive time and mileage. So you do have to pay for drive time between clients, uh, if it's in home. So let's say they're going from client A to client B and then client B to client C, uh, you do have to pay for drive time between the, uh, the first and second and the second and third client. Uh, you pay for drive time. And then depending on your state, you may also have to pay mileage. So this, again, another great reason to have an attorney in your state because you will, again, depending on the state, have to pay for mileage. I do actually recommend, regardless of the state that you're in, you pay mileage um, because especially when you're starting out, you may not be able to provide health care or 401k or Life insurance, or you know, all of these wonderful things that everyone wants, right? Uh, but this can be a really nice benefit uh, to your, you know, in-home staff, um, and and you can—it's totally tax-deductible, right? So um, it, it really it can set you apart, um, and and your staff are going to be a little bit happier about driving. Um, if that's something that you can provide.
1: You just have to have them. The only hiccup there is like...
0: They have to track they it. They have to track it. Yeah. And then, you know, just treating everyone equally, right? So um, it, you can always put a cap on this. You can say like, we will pay 50 miles a week or something like that, right? Again, talk to your attorney, make sure it's stated correctly in your handbook. Um, but you can do something like that. Um, well, and then
1: also depending on level, like, like you can't, Pay for drive time for some and not others. But if it's like a level, like we will pay for drive time for all BCBAs, but not the techs, right? Like you can do that, but you have to do it across the board for like per level. I think. Or is from, that dependent on like your state?
0: I think the attorneys that I've talked to on drive time and mileage, that you should just, there should be no difference. Doesn't matter if they're like clinical director or RBT, I mean, you should just, just have like, to pay. just sets
1: everybody up for like, you know, like you don't want someone to think, "Oh, well, my BCBA gets right. paid mileage. Right. Like, who do they think mm-hmm. I am? I'm the one that's out here driving more. Yeah. So <laughs> like, be able to that, set anybody up for yeah?" Like, with feel,
0: this, and what's feelings. nice about that is that you would then also qualify, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of if you're the only BCBA within your company, yeah. y- this way you get that reimbursement yeah. as well. So it's a good idea. Um, and again, like I said, it can set you apart.
1: So, and I may have missed this when I was yeah. when I was engaging on mm-hmm. on Facebook, but um. So, is this for salary, just salary, or do you have to pay hourly um, drive time too?
0: So, like, do you
1: have to pay? Do you have to pay drive time no matter what?
0: You have to pay drive time no matter what. So, let's say you have a non-exempt salaried RBT, um, and maybe they're getting thirty-five hours a week, um, billable hours, which seems like a lot, but let's say that's the case you find yourself in, and then every. Couple of weeks because of traffic and all that good stuff, they're hitting 42 hours a week. In that case, you would have to pay overtime on that drive time. So maybe there's a training on the weekend, um, and you know they're they're at 39 and a half hours, and then they have to do their CPR first day training on Saturday, and that bumps them up right past that that um, uh, 40 hours a week. Then you would have to pay them overtime in that in that case. Does that does that answer your question?
1: Yeah, and so I I feel like it's completely ethical um, and okay to like. That's why it's so important to know all these pieces, right? Because it also helps you to guide how you set up schedules and how you like how you do hours, right? Because it's it's like right, like it's completely okay. And I'm I'm kind of like asking some of these in a question format for for Stephen. Not that. Be- more like because we did have these questions at one time, and so, and I know probably a lot of you guys have these questions. So I'm just kind of doing um, it in this format because of that. Because I, because we, we did a lot of this with our company. But anyway, so like, so you can you can cap hours, right? Because we we capped hours too for like because of burnout, right? Because yeah. you you always have that one or two staff. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's work all the hours. Yeah, yep. I can work every evening and every weekend. Mm-hmm. And I work seven days a week and I, I, you know, I'm trying to pay for my college and so I wanna get all the money I can or whatever. Like, but like there's multiple reasons why you want to have those guidelines within your company of like capping and and, and this can kind of also guide some of that, right? Like how far you let your you know, allow your staff to drive to see clients. Like, how, where, what radius are you going to t- accept clients? Right, mm-hmm. um because of it's because of like, there again, burnout and just finances. Right?
0: Yeah, and and so like, I I wouldn't recommend having a, such a full schedule anyway. Right, like I I would I I we would never get to the point where. We, our techs, even our salary techs, we we never let them get to 40. Not not anywhere close to that. And then the other... Well, um, 40
1: billable, right? Like, I mean, you can't...
0: Like, even even close to even 40. You not even
1: do 40 billable. Because, no. like, we'll, we'll talk to some people sometimes. and I'm like, oh, yeah, we'll get, like, a full-time tech 40 billables. I'm like, well, let's stop and think about this a minute. What does that mean? Then they have to get to work, like yeah. especially if it's in-home, right? Yeah. Now, maybe clinic, it might be a little bit closer if it's a very cut-and-dry mm-hmm. 9-to-5 kind mm-hmm. of thing. Maybe so, yes. Right. Um, but like in-home services, like that's not even a thing, right? No. And so you have to look at their drive time, and you have to consider that into their yeah, miles. The gaps
0: between their, yeah. their, um, yeah. their clients as well, right? Again, talking to your attorney about that, you may have to pay for those gaps in between. Um, there's also some states, uh, they have, oh, I can't remember this one off the top of my head. Uh, and maybe it'll come back to me. Uh, but there is a law that requires if, if there's more than an hour, um, gap in the day. Um, so it's like having Twice. two shifts in one day basically is what it, what it's, um, qualifies as. You have to pay a premium to bring them back. So that's another just to be aware of as you're going through these processes. That's something that a lot of attorneys fail to put into the employee handbook because like super smart attorneys...
1: I right. they've probably never been in a situation where that's you know like
0: well they don't even know to ask that question exactly. right, that's right? What I and mean. so like they're used to like an accounting office it's a nine to five right. you know you do your thing and yeah. you come home and that's it so they're just not dealing with this same right. kind of so you might have
1: like a tech with thing. a session from nine to twelve and split
0: then... shift split shift loss so there are, shift, yeah. there are some states California and Massachusetts I know for sure but there are other states that require this again it's just something to be aware of and, and talk to your attorney about setting that up.
1: Right. Because it's highly, I mean, it's, it happens a lot with within home too, right? Cause you might have like a nine to 12 and then a two to five. Yep. And or, then they're, the, yep. they're like on their own from 12 yep. to two doing their own thing. Yep. Um, and so what we started doing when we had, cause we had, once we had office space, well, even when we were working out of our home, um, we would try to find things for them to do if we couldn't, we if we could not do anything about their schedule for them not to have this huge gap, then we'd be like, okay, well they have this gap, and a lot of times the it would be hard for them to come back to work in the afternoon too. Like if you have a gap, then you would get like a lot of evening call outs because it's just it's just who wants that big of a gap in their day? Correct. And so then we would like bring them back to the office and have them do like non billable type type stuff to help out too, to help out us, help out them, help out the financial situation. Mm-hmm. So
0: mm-hmm. yep. So I think that is really it as far as just things to think about as you bring on staff. So again, talking to an attorney and having something in place to understand, right? Okay, is this person going to be hourly or salary? What are the required trainings that we need to have in place? Um, And then what are we going to do for drive time? This is another thing, like especially, again, if it's um, an hourly employee, it, it, you may have required trainings and you may have drive time and all that good stuff. It doesn't mean that you have to pay them the same rate for those tasks as you would billable hours. As long as in the offer letter, it's clearly defined. So, okay, what is training? What What is that specifically? And what is drive time? What does that mean? Um, and then, what does billable hours mean? Right? And
1: and stating in there that there's ongoing training, yep. right? Um, and so sometimes, it, I had to clear up our wording because I, I had someone come to me. And they're like, "Well, why is my paycheck so low? Like, we had training that month, right. and, and and so and yeah." She was, like, right on. That's I was not clear. Like, sometimes it's assumed that training means those first couple of weeks when you're initially getting your, like, you know, your um, onboarding and training. But being very specific that it's, like, ongoing training, especially when they're in a tech
0: role. Yeah, I mean, you will lose that case in in court, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, if you do not have clearly defined what is training, it's not just onboarding. It's, like, any training. Here are the examples, Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Even your supervision, like weekly supervision, maybe you put that in that bucket. I don't know. That's up to you. Um, But having those boundaries on what is training and what that training rate is, what is drive time and what is that hourly rate. Uh, Because if you do not have that in the offer letter and then after the fact, you're like, yeah, of course, this is obviously you would not get this billable rate for everything. uh, And they go to court with you. You will absolutely lose. Uh, If there is only one rate in your offer letter, uh, then then it will be assumed they get that rate for every hour. So it's really important not only to be completely transparent and upfront about it. I would even explain to them, okay, you know, not just send them the offer letter. But, uh, and and then let them figure it out because if I'm being completely honest, most people don't read the offer letter. So um, even if they are signing it, so I would go over that and I have gone over that with them, just letting them know, okay, I need you to know so you don't get blindsided by this, that we have different rates for drive time, different rates for training, different rates for billables um, so that they know upfront.
1: I kind of got obnoxious. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and i added those little check boxes at the bottom like i understand that blah, blah, that drive time or you know i understand that training is ongoing and this rate will apply throughout my employment here you know like or like you know i mean so it just slows it down a little bit because, yes. you know, offer letters can be really legalese. Like, yes. they get, and people are like, oh, you're offering me a job. Okay. Just like, we're yes. like, oh, we just got a, con- a network with insurance. Let me sign the contract. Okay. And yes. like, you get overwhelmed by all the like legal big words and stuff. Correct. And so I, I like kind of got obnoxious as, as I learned, right? Like what things people tend to not like overlook in there. Yes. Um. So, so now just to clarify for, the training rates yep. being different, right? Is that like pretty confident, flat across the board, or is that something that you do need to check into individual states on?
0: Again, I am not an attorney, do not take my advice, right? Like, uh, it, it, it I would check out with your attorney in your state to be sure. Again, make your offer letter, right? Have a generic offer letter. That you have ready to go so that you just have to put in a name, their job title, the date that they're going to be hired, all that good stuff, right? And then send that to your attorney and make sure that they review it and make sure that they they are clearly understanding what you're doing. From the attorneys that I have talked to, and I've talked to way too many attorneys, um, that this is totally fine. As yeah. long as it explicitly, clearly, clearly defined, explicit, right? You want it as, as clearly defined as possible. And then, you know, another question I will get, which I'm not answering, right? This is an attorney and accountant, but okay, what do we do if there's overtime in this situation, right? So, okay, they did five hours of drive time and they had 10 hours of training and they had 20, They got 20, stuck in traffic yes, and yes. so their
1: drive time was like two hours, <laughs> Higher than it was supposed to be, and it put them over forty. Yeah,
0: correct. Like, so then you not take the an answer, you but, take yeah. the average of the the like you take their the total amount they made um, over the forty hours, and then you divide that by forty. That is their hourly rate, effective hourly rate for that time period. And then you would multiply that by one point five, and that would give you their overtime rate. Does that make sense? So like if let's and and the other thing on this you always have to be following at minimum, your minimum wage wherever you are. Yeah. So you you cannot say, okay, I'm going to give you $40 an hour for billables, but I'm going to pay you $2.50 for drive You You have to pay them minimum wage for every hour worked. So that it's really important that you're also following your minimum wage laws that can vary across cities and counties and states. So, It's important that you're following that as well.
1: Well, and I think too, like like this, this, and I, I think we're probably, I think it's going to be best to like end it here for like, as the intro to, to all of this, it was like all the things to think about, like, you know, I think we can make one more slide, one more slide, because like, these are all things like employee versus contractor required training. You have to, you have to pay for that. Mm -hmm. Um, Salary versus (laughs) salary, drive time and mileage, like over time, you know, minimum wage, a lot of these things. Are things that we don't think about coming right. into it, right. um, and and like you said, there's like nuances in our field of just how things work mm-hmm. that may not match just like your generic like how-to kind of guide. And so I think it's really important that you know S- Stephen's bringing up all of these all of these pieces. And then, um, you know, something like maybe we'll even do a third one if if, yeah. there, if um, everyone's interested. Because I'd really like to put the clinical, like, as we really start looking at some of the um, hiring and how to hire and all of that, like, really put, like, adding, like, a bit of a clinical spin to it. So if any of you guys feel like that would be something um, that you're interested in, like, let us know. Um, and I can kind of – we can slow it down even more next time and, like – once we really start talking about the hiring process itself Mm -hmm. and interviewing and stuff, we could really kind of look clinically at like some of the skills needed and stuff. So,
0: so hiring now we've, we've got our systems in place. Okay. And now we're going to start our hiring process. And this works like we've coached people, like you may be five years into this and you've hired, you know, tons of people and, 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 You're like, hold on now, company values, right? And this is something that April is working on right now. You can still join her company values course. The second one is still available. I highly recommend doing this. So having your company values is just, it's so important, right? And then um, putting those company values into the job description. So having a a good detailed job description, right? We want to take our time. And, and make sure that it's very descriptive, um, both the the hard and soft uh, qualities that you're looking for. Um, if if you are thinking about embedding mindfulness into your practice, uh, which I highly recommend, um, then you know putting in things like you know it's a mindful work environment. We we pride ourselves in our self compassion, right? Stuff like this can be very helpful. You can, you will find the right candidates. It's so much easier if you have your values in that job description. I, I can guarantee it that, that you will. Um, and then something that a lot of people do not have, and we include this in our employee handbook, standardized interview questions. You absolutely need them. Uh, again, talk to your attorney, uh, but you need standardized questions. Uh, it's really important um, as far as like, your employment laws as far as like uh, making sure that you are treating everyone equally. I can't think of the law off the top of my head at this moment, Um, but you want to make sure that uh, you have standardized interview questions. And we also do recommend just because from time to time it slips out, uh, having like a um, a non-disclosure agreement for interviewees uh, because, hey, we may accidentally say somebody's name or we may get too descriptive on some stuff or you may accidentally see some of the program notes or something like this so just letting them know like you know this this is a um we have to keep all this information confidential um so having that non-disclosure that they won't they won't um yeah
1: especially if you're hiring, hiring in like a clinic type correct, setting
0: correct and then
1: interviewing in a clinic
0: setting. we also highly recommend now again if the, t- if the team is you, this is hard. Uh, but if you do already have a team, make this a team effort. Uh, I-, I especially recommend this on the BCBAs. Uh, so like, if you include RBTs um, in the interviewee pr- interviewing process when you're hiring BCBAs, your team uh, will love it. Uh, they'll just feel like this is my company. They'll have a, a higher sense of confidence that, their opinion is valued, which it absolutely is. Um, and it's interesting to see. We've we've interviewed many BCBAs over the years. And I've interviewed many for three pi squared even. Uh, but with CornerPiece, we interviewed many. And it's interesting to see uh, how uh, some BCBAs treat RBTs versus the director of clinical services or the director of Uh, operations right and so that's kind of eye-opening um and and so that may be part of it just seeing how that works um so we do recommend that this is a multi-interview uh and then a multi like like a a team effort when you're when you're doing this um and then getting that your team's feedback uh is really important as well
1: yeah so I think this is the slide I saw coming up and I was like, I could probably spend an hour talking about this. (laughs) So let's do it next time. But like, I have so much to say about that. Like in the beginning, I I didn't include my staff in interviews. Right. Like, um, but as we were more like, as we were, um, settled, well, uh, I can't, we're both like established. I think the the wind (laughs) is like blowing our thoughts away. But, um, so, so more established. And, and I had even, um, I had a, lead, you know, eventually um, I had a leadership team within our staff. And so it just made all the sense for, like, the leadership team to be part of that. And the leadership team included techs, admin, BCBAs, like, a little bit of everybody. Yeah. Um, so that everyone's, like, ideas, everyone's voice was being heard. And so, um, so, yeah, so we had at least one tech, at least one BCBA, other than myself, and mm-hmm. um, in the interview
0: can um, i interrupt you for yeah. one second like this is what april's wanting to do for 3pi squared is to bring that piece of it right that's a missing component that we have in in what we offer and so uh, i would highly recommend you know joining this leadership this values based leadership again i'm plugging it but joining this values based because as we grow this side of it we will add, you know, this part to it. How do I make this team, yeah. right? How do I make this leadership team that has different people from from different areas from uh, that bring different uh, perspectives so right. that- And how
1: to use those values yeah. like within the hiring process. Yeah, like I'm itching, I'm like, oh, I just <laughs> want to talk about all of it right now. But yeah, and I think uh, Stephen just added a- um, a booking link for me too on mm-hmm. uh, same place on his website. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're curious to know a little bit more, you can book a, um, a free, I think mine's like a 30 minute kind of thing yep. um, just to get, just a chit chat and like see like how I can help. Cause I can, as I'm building this um, piece of it. And then also I can offer, um, you know, one-on-one consulting for this too.
0: So the, um, the leadership class, we got a question. So do you uh-huh. want to, do you know the dates on the leadership <laughs> class off the top of your head?
1: Well they started last they started last Monday yeah. um, and so that was four weeks and then we're taking a two week break and then we'll start back in March but like I'm like I would be completely fine I, um if you wanted to go ahead and join now we could look and see what that would look like. Um, you just missed the first class
0: but so I'm going to we get, probably I'm gonna catch you reply up. to your question yeah. with the um, with the link and you can yeah. see the dates in there. Um, yeah, and, and reach out to
1: me, and we can see what we can do. I can work with you. It's brand new, right? And so, like, it's um, I'm excited to to you know build it and grow it. However, however, you guys are willing to help. But yeah, so so the hiring process, like, it's just it's 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 just really. It's really cool to be able to um, include, and of course, you know, you talk to them about it, right? You talk to the techs and the BCPA, like the people you review, interview, um, including in the interviewing process. You talk to them ahead of time, and you kind of give them, you give them expectations. You ask them if they're interested. You don't make Absolutely. it. You don't make it a. mandatory thing this needs to be something that they that they want to do (laughs) um you don't want someone not wanting to be there to be there
0: um and you also want to make sure that this person that you add to the leadership team is going to provide you know like give you feedback well of
1: course and so like i even we even got so far like in playing with this whole thing because my steps loved it Mm -hmm. um is like at the end of the interview i would i would step out and, and they could ask the text and the BCBA's questions. Now whether you want to go that far or not now. The, the techs and the BCBAs I were very well trusted. They have been with our team from the beginning. Like you know, so if you don't have that level of staff, you know, don't do it. but, um, but no, but, but it was it was really great because and then I helped them, like I asked them like after they sat through a couple interviews, Hey, help come up with some questions. What questions do you have? Yep. What questions do you want to ask? And of course, I asked for those to be approved ahead of time <laughs> to make sure that we were like, the main thing is that we were not asking illegal questions in an interview Correct. because there are certain questions you're not allowed to ask in an Correct. interview.
0: Again, talk to your attorney when you yeah. have those standardized questions. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, the, we, we got some of our best questions from our staff,
1: right? Some of, of our course. best standard
0: questions came from feedback from our staff
1: yeah so we probably we should we should update this they are
0: they have been updated well well i don't know i haven't talked to you so maybe that we can add that in our update and then you know setting clear expectations on follow-up so you know you have the interview uh whether it's step one step two whatever you're letting this candidate know we are going to get back to you on this date or in this amount of time and um if you say that do it uh I can guarantee that if you say, I'll get back to you in three days and 10 days go by and you still haven't gotten back to them, they're not going to be happy. Uh, and again, no, especially they'll, they'll be calling, in this yeah. environment, they have way more choices, right? So we want we want to make sure that everyone, again, having this whole process in place, it makes it look like you got your stuff together, right? And then when you follow up, when you say you're going to follow up, um, that just shows that you have a level of respect you you have a level of uh, professionalism that you stand by what you say and so it's just really important
1: you know especially as a startup if you're brand new and you're hiring your first step you know your first few people um some people are going to be really nervous about like most people don't want to work for a a startup Um, and so being very clear with your intentions and being like transparent mm-hmm. you know within reason mm-hmm. right and but then also being organized and knowing what your expectations are yes. um so that they you can you know that's why like already having a handbook even if it's not the full complete perfect handbook yet at least having something started to you know so that they feel com- like safe right come you know joining your team because you know um you know you know what you're doing
0: yeah yeah and i'm sure everyone listening to this or watching this has been in an interview with an aba company and they're like what did i just leave (laughs) (laughs) and and they're like completely disorganized they don't really know what they're doing it's like "Eh, i guess we do it this way and like you're like okay i'm not sure i'm going with them so imagine you're you're interviewing someone like what would you like right would you like oh, wow, they have their stuff down, right? Like, um, or it's kind of willy-nilly, right? And again, most people just want to be able to come to work and they want to be able to do a good job and they want to know what it's expected of them. And so if you have your policies, you have your systems in place, they're going to know, right? They can smell it um, and they can see it. And, um, and so it, it's just so much better and, and you're going to be way more competitive even if, they go to the big box place and they make 2 dollars more an hour they look at you you're small you're friendly you're like you're based on values and compassion
1: they're not just like a, a number an employee that's yes. being sent out yeah. on an island yeah. somewhere to work with some kid in yeah. some house yeah. um and and i guess that that would be like the the last thing i had to say about this is like i mean this is this is a tricky market like yeah. and, and i mean it continues to be right not just an ABA, but we're really feeling it in this, in this field. But think of it too. I mean, you're selling your company to them just as much as they are selling themselves to you. Like you're, you're interviewing them and they're interviewing you. In fact, um, more and more we had people come to us and they were, I don't know, they had a whole list of questions. They had it together and they were like, I'm like, okay, are you interviewing me? And come to find out sure enough, they were like, they had like five yeah. interviews with aba companies all within the same area and they were they were they were like okay who's going to pay more who's going to supervise more who's going to you know all the things and so i don't know i don't know how different that is from other markets but mm-hmm. i do know that in this market for us it's really it really as is- Quite competitive.
0: Yeah, I mean, even think about, like, some of the techs or BCBAs that left our practice and they moved to a different state. And then they would reach out to you and say, oh, my goodness, yeah. I've been on, like, 10 interviews and no one is like you. Like, they don't know what they're doing. They don't know really how to bill. They don't know what cases I'm going to have. They, like, and, and, like, they're expecting me to do this much work. And, like, they only have one BCBA and they've got 30 cases. Like, like th- this is what people are seeing, right? You don't want to be that. You want to. You want to have your stuff together. I keep on wanting to curse, but this is G rated, so I, I. I have to keep my cursing. I know. To a I am glad you gave me that little
1: promise um, because I was getting so, really so passionate. So yeah. So
0: again, like like <laughs> if you put this in place again, putting your values in your job description and living by those values is so important. Yeah. But then having again real expectations uh, as far as follow up. Making this a team effort, like this this is probably one of the most difficult parts of the job is the hiring and bringing people on your team, trusting that you have the right systems in place. Um, this is going to, it's so, it makes it so much easier. Um, and if you have your values embedded within your company, the answers that they give you during that interview Will make it so much easier. Hold on, did they like? Are they like? Do they have the same values that we have based on the Mm -hmm. answers of the questions Mm -hmm. that they're providing, right? Mm -hmm. And it just makes it so much easier. Um, And then the last thing, and this will be where we end because I have a consult in five minutes, um, is timely and swift, very similar to clear expectations and follow up. But you know, you uh, it was it was interesting when I got to the other side of it, right, I, I did a lot of interviewing even for engineering practice uh, companies and been involved in multiple startups before Corner piece But um, it was interesting how quickly I forgot how stressful and intimidating an interview can be when I was on the other side of the table. Yeah. And so this is super stressful, even if they don't Admit that it's super stressful or they don't seem like they're super stressed, right? They're, they're going to be anxious and stressed, and uh, especially if this is their first job or, you know, they're really excited about this opportunity. So just, you know, again, guiding them through this process, making it as easy and straightforward for them as possible. And then when you set an expectation, you follow that expectation Uh, especially, you know, at the higher up you get, right, as you start building out your practice, you start, you know, maybe you have a lead BCBA. Now you've got a director of clinical services. Oh, we've got another branch, right? So we have a clinic side and we've got the in-home side. As you get into these higher and higher positions, um, you know, these processes are going to, you know, extend out. It's not just, uh, one interview over Zoom, you're hired, right? Like that doesn't happen. Uh, so this can this can go on for a month, and then you're negotiating over the rates and stuff like this. So again, just being considerate of their time, understanding that they're gonna have multiple offers, especially if they're good, right? If they know their stuff. Um, so you know, you just want to set clear expectations, help them through the process. If they respond, like if they if they reach out to you with questions, you answer them as quickly as possible. Um, and then it, again, if you set, I'm going to get back to you by this date, you get back to them by this date. Uh, I just feel like that's so important through this process.
1: And there's so much more I could say about interviews, but I know I was telling yeah. that you know like, and it's okay too. I'll just put this one little blurb Like, mm-hmm. it's okay to have more than one interview, you know, because yeah. it, you know, with us, we we majority of our clients were like early childhood right like preschool early early elementary so not only did we need someone to interview well with a panel of adults we needed to know that they could engage with kids yes and so we would um we would we would never like have our clients i guess i don't know i guess that would be okay if you had all the right Stuff in place, but we like use our own. Yeah, kits. we use our own kids. Um, and our and our staff's kids like would yeah. come in and like they, we would just like get them to engage. We might like, especially if they were new, we might train them on something really simple to see like how well they were able to take that in the mm-hmm. moment and run with it, and um and um. So we did we did multiple layers, but we had those layers very uh, clearly defined and we tried to like do them, you know, within a few days of each other or not, like space it out too much.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So much information. Um,
0: and so this will obviously is going to be it looks like it's going to be a three parter at this point. <gasps> um, so thank you for everyone that hung on while yeah. we had our technical difficulties. I really appreciate that. And then, um, you know, we'll send out another invite. Hopefully Vimeo starts working for us and we can bring it back on there as well. Um, But yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out if we can help in any way. Our free consult is available to you all. So please take advantage of that. Um, And if you want to join that values-based leadership course, which I highly recommend, it will certainly help with the hiring process. The link is in the in the comments take advantage of that you can still join up and yeah we'll see you next week with part two and we'll get into non-competes <laughs> uh, the terrible non-competes um but yeah so we'll see you next week same time uh for part two of this maybe it may be three-parter um but yeah that's it again thank you all for joining us and uh we'll see you next time Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you'd like to learn more about Three Pi Squared and the products and services that we provide, please go to www3 www.threepisquared.com. And if you enjoy our podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you could subscribe or add it to your favorites. This way, you won't miss any episodes, and you can also check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn by searching Three Pi Squared. Thank you so much for listening.